0: Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Luke chapter number one, Luke chapter number one, and we're going to start a new series uh, today called Experience Christmas. All right, Experience Christmas. Now that we're getting into the Christmas season, I think it'd be good to get into some Christmas messages and see what the Bible has to say about what we celebrate this month. By the way, my favorite month of the year other than my birthday month. All right, uh, this is a, a wonderful, wonderful time of the year. Uh, I know there's a lot of songs that sing about this time of year, uh, but there's something that I really love about Christmas, and I was sharing this with the first service, and that is presents. I love, I love presents. I love the fact that in Christmas we give presents uh, to one another, the fact that we get to receive presents. its It really is um, just a, a wonderful, awesome time. But this morning, as we, as we jump into this new series, I, I do want to talk a little bit about that, but I, I really want to share with you what would be part of a, a Christmas experience, I guess, the experience of Christmas. Because you know, when the Bible shares the story of the first Christmas, which is the story of the birth of Jesus, it's someone sharing their experience. Now, when it comes to experience or experiencing Christmas, it's something that's truly unique. It's different. It's um, it's not like any other holiday. It's not like any other celebration. It is something that is, man. It's very unique. It's very it's very different. And um, and as you read the Christmas story, you, you'll find that every uh, every person and and, and we're gonna focus on someone else next week. This week, we're going to focus on Mary. But everyone kind of shares their Christmas experience. And and it's always different. Even if it's taking place in the same narrative and the same storyline, um, the experience is different for each one. Now, it's not hard for us to understand because uh, anytime I think of an of awesome experience, there's one place that comes to mind. You'll probably guess it after I tell you that it's known as the happiest place on earth, um, the place being Disneyland, right? And uh, it, it, usually, if you've ever visited uh, Disneyland, how many of us have, have been to Disneyland? I'm just curious. Okay, mo- mo- most of us, almost everybody's been there. And, and usually, when, you, when, you, uh, when you're looking into Disneyland or anything like that, you, you, you talk about what they say, that the Disneyland experience right? You, you've maybe heard that term before. I've, and um, and when you come back, that's what you want to share with people, right? Like, let me, let me share with you the Disney experience. And sometimes people share a really happy, awesome Disney experience. Others might not share a great experience if something happened on that trip or something happened there at the park. But for the most part, uh, we like to share our experiences. And we really like sharing the fun experiences, the the ones that we're usually trying to get other people to do, right? Uh, You come back and you're like, "Do you got to go there. You've got to experience it. And what do we mean by that though, right? What do we actually mean by experiencing it? You got to experience it. What what do I mean by that? Well, usually it's pretty much understood. What we're talking about is the, the feeling that you get when you're there, the things that are the that you can do while you're there, um, just kind of everything, a little bit of everything, uh, the, the rides, the entertainment, what you can see while you're there, and how you're treated when you're there, and and you share, and all of that put together, we would say, is the experience of it. Well, when you start studying the Christmas story, there is an experience attached with it. The, the, these people were real people, people like you and me. Uh, Mary was someone just as real as you and me that had things going on in her life, just like you and I have things going on in our life. And, and so as she's telling, and, and not just her, I'm sure as she was telling Luke, who wrote uh, the book that we're about to, to study, um, I'm, I'm sure she was kind of relaying some of the, the experience that she had and uh, And Luke does such a great job kind of describing what what she was telling him and uh, and that's what I want to study this morning is that experience what was Mary's experience in that first christmas what 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 happened to her what What was it that she would probably share with us if she was able to be here uh, this morning in person what what she what, what would she say and luckily. We have a Bible where what she experienced was written down for us. And we can study this morning part of what her experience was. Now, let me just warn you, though, it's not a theme park, okay? Um, What I'm going to share with you this morning isn't a place that you can go, but it is something that you can experience, something you can live, something that can be just as real to you as it was to those that were there at the birth of Jesus. So I want to talk to you this morning about... Three amazing truths of the Christmas experience. Luke chapter number one is where we're going to read about this experience. Luke chapter number one. Now, before I get into chapter number one, I want to just give you a little bit of context to it. Uh, the Old Testament ends in Malachi chapter four, verse number six. It was the last kind of prophecy that was given uh, for the last prophet that was there, between Malachi chapter four, verse six, and Matthew chapter one, verse one, or even Luke chapter two, there has been four hundred years that have passed. In those four hundred years, we don 't have a prophet that rises, at least that the Bible speaks of. Uh, there 's nothing great that happens over those four centuries. Nothing quite significant. You can read a little bit about Israel's history there. You'll you'll find where the Pharisees uh, arose. And, and in that 400 years, you can read about where the Sadducees and Pharisees come from and a little bit about their history. But nothing significant that would be part of sacred scripture. Just 400 years of silence. And suddenly, what comes on, what comes on these pages is this, the story of that very first Christmas and uh, in and of that uh, of itself that fact is something that's very interesting it's very interesting because it it's it goes along with what Mary and and those that were with her were experiencing you see the first truth I want to talk to you about is the experience of finding hope in a hopeless world finding hope in a hopeless world 400 years that God had not spoken to someone directly. 400 years that God had not said, hey, here's what I want you to do, people of Israel. Here's where the the king you ought to follow. Or here's what we're going to be doing uh, in the next whatever, 10 years, 15 years, 100 years. Nothing. So when you open up this story, the Christmas story, which is the first story given in Matthew. It's the first story given in the book of Luke. It's the story and the experience of finding hope. When for, for 400 years, Israel and the world had been hopeless. Hopeless. I want you to, to notice that the last words of Malachi 4, six says, And he shall turn the hearts of the children towards their parents and the parents' hearts towards the children. Those are basically the last prophecy, the last words The prophet Malachi writes down in his prophecy. 400 years later, you're going to come here to Luke chapter 1. And notice what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 13. It says, but the angel said unto him, and he's talking to this man named Zacharias. He says, fear not, Zacharias. Zacharias is a priest. He's there in the temple doing his duty as a priest. His responsibilities there. So the angel comes to him, he says, fear not, Zacharias, for the prayer is heard. And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before them in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The way that Malachi finishes, the way that this New Testament begins, this new experience, this new story. It's a story of hope. If you're going to experience Christmas in your life, what you're going to find is you're going to find hope for your life. I want you to notice that as Mary and Elizabeth and and uh, and I I say this is from probably Mary's uh, experience and perspective because she knew Luke and and um, as she's probably relaying this story, she she's having hope because there is hope of a coming messenger Malachi ends with, there's going to be a someone coming, Elijah, like the prophet Elijah that will be coming. You start the next story and it's an angel telling Zacharias, your son, John, he's going to come in the power of Elijah. And he's going to turn the hearts of the children to the parents. He's going to fulfill that, that prophecy that was made. He's going to renew hope in Israel. Not only do you find that there's hope because there's a coming messenger, but there's also hope because there's a coming Messiah. In all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, they weren't pointing to John, but they were pointing uh, to Jesus, the one whom John would be preaching about. And um, let me move this wire because it's making a lot of noise here. There we go. Hopefully that'll make no more noise. But you're coming to Messiah here, who's Jesus. John is prophesying of jesus the messiah and there's hope for israel because there's a messiah coming and the day is here the day of the promised one the one that was going to free israel is here notice what luke chapter one says as mary is sharing her story it says in verse number 30 chapter one verse number 30 and the angel said unto her fear not mary for thou hast found favor with god and behold Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So suddenly there's this new hope in Israel. There's a messenger that has been born. A messenger that's going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. That's going to have the message of turning the hearts of the children uh, back to their parents and the disobedient to the wisdom of God. And then the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is born. The Messiah is here. Uh, The one that's going to give Israel. uh, He's going to establish his his kingdom in Israel and, and, and bring Israel back to power as it once was. Now there's this new hope. You may be saying, well, Pastor, what, I mean, that's great for Israel, and that's great for Mary, but what does that have to do with me? It has a lot to do with us today because of the fact that we live in a hopeless world. When it comes to Christmas, we, uh, we, we say we have a message of hope because there's only hope in one person. In this Christmas holiday, you'll find that people might say that, well, the hope in the future of this world is that people will love one another as in the Christmas spirit, but that's not the hope of this world. One, because we cannot do it. Because in and of ourselves, we don't love one another. That's just not our nature. Some people will say, well, the the hope of 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 the world right now is if If we can give to one another, not just love one, give to one another, make peace with one another. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's no hope for peace. And there's no hope for giving to one another without the hope of the Messiah. You see, in and of ourselves, not only do we not love one another, we're not willing to give for one another. That's why uh, when babies are born and as they're growing, we have to teach them to share Because their nature is, it's me, mine. Their nature is to fight with the other kids in the nursery, not to be making peace with them. And by the way, that continues. When they hit 15, they're still at war. And when we hit 50, we're still at war. That's why our world is the way it is. Because it's a hopeless world. There is no peace, and there is no joy. There is no giving. There is no loving without a hope. And that hope, the Bible says, is the Lord Jesus Christ. As much as I think Santa Claus is cool, Santa Claus is not the hope of this world. It's not the hope of Christmas. Our hope this morning is found in Jesus Christ. That's why, as Mary is going through her day, and this happens to her, and and her cousin Elizabeth, the same angel is going to Zechariah, her husband, and, and all this is starting to come together There is a new hope now. Part of the Christmas experience is understanding there is hope for our world today. The reason we celebrate the birth of Jesus is that we are celebrating there's a hope for a better future for our our world and for us. That's the hope of Christmas. That's the Christmas experience is to say, listen, there's something good in this world. And it's not found in gifts. It's not found in presents under a tree. But it is found in a baby that was born. It is found in that man named Jesus. He is the hope of this world. We see in the Christmas experience that you can find hope in a hopeless world. But not only that, you'll find that you can find help in a helpless world. You see, a little bit after that announcement came to Mary and suddenly there was hope in her world and in her life, you find her traveling close to nine months later, all right? She's traveling. Now, the news that came, if you go to Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, the news that came was that the whole world's going to be taxed. The Roman emperor, Augustus Caesar, says, hey, it's time to tax the world. And and uh, many commentators believe that, that that means it was a census, right? They were going to be counted. And so everyone had to go back to the per- place where they were born. They want to know what's the population of the Roman kingdom. And, and so now. The worst timing ever. Joseph and Mary have to go. And travel to Bethlehem. And in those travels. <laughs> there's a lot of difficulty. Where they're at in Galilee. Is almost like a valley. You're at sea level. When you're going to Jerusalem. You're actually going. To the top of a mountain basically. Top of a hill. Of a hill. That's why whenever you read in, in the scriptures, even though Galilee is north of Jerusalem in uh, in um, uh, geography, whenever they're saying they're going to go down, they're going to go to Jerusalem. They say we're going to go up to Jerusalem, even though they're going south. The reason it's up is because Jerusalem was kind of like on a hill. So, can you imagine eight and a half months pregnant? I, I basically nine months pregnant on this little journey. It's, it's not a journey of like, you know, a couple hours. You're, you're talking about a few days, maybe a week or so to get from Galilee uh, to Bethlehem. Now, I just recently had a wife that was pregnant. I'm telling you, that would not have been a fun trip. I feel so bad for Joseph. I'm sure, I'm sure that was a long trip for Joseph. I'm sure not, I know, we're poor, so she's going to be like, well, I wasn't that bad. No, no, I'm saying for for her experience. All right, all right. Let me clarify that before y'all <laughs> misunderstand me, and then I get in trouble. I mean, you know, being nine months, pregnant, having to be on that donkey or having to be walking, and that's just so difficult for her. And so, listen, anytime you you run into help when, when you need to help, it's, it's, it's just awesome. And I say that the Christmas experience is about finding help in a helpless world because you, you see Mary as she's going through this and, and you find that as they, they get to Bethlehem, they need a place to stay. There's no room anywhere. Everybody in the world literally is traveling. Everybody is happy to check in. I, you know, um, just made me think of uh, just when we were coming out of the pandemic, um, I don't know how many went on vacation. I guess it would have been uh, this uh, this year on uh, spring break. But um, we had gone up to Missouri, me and my wife and family, and we were traveling back. And I told uh, Rochelle, I said, well, we're going we're gonna to push all day that we can. All right, I'm going to go until till I'm almost falling asleep at the wheel. And then we'll stop probably around Waco and we'll get a... Uh, you know, we'll get a a hotel there. It'll be like 10 o'clock at night or or nine o'clock at night. It'll be fine. Got to Waco, booked. I've never been to Waco when it's booked. I mean, it was booked. I stopped at three hotels, right, in Waco. They were all booked. So I said, you know what? Let's just go down a little bit further. Um, It'll be fine. Well, let's go down the road. I I think it's Round Round Rock is the next little city there. So I said, let's just go down there. Uh, it's, it's outside of Austin. We'll be fine. Booked. Went closer to Austin. Booked. There is a tollway. I think it's the uh, 480 or 445. I don't even want to, I don't remember what the tollway is. But there's a tollway you can go around Austin to get to San Antonio. I said, let's get to San Antonio. That'll be easy. There'll be plenty of room there. At this time, it's getting to about 2 in the morning, and I'm really getting desperate we get all the way there and booked. I'm going to every hotel. There's like a little, on this exit, there was like three hotels. I went to every hotel. They were like, nope, booked. If you go over there, they're going to be booked. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to keep going and keep going. I didn't want to come all the way back home. We were still four and a half hours away. I'm like, no, um, I'm already tired. I was, I was just really looking for a place to stay. Anyways, there's a Days Inn right there by Seguin, Texas. Okay, if you've ever um, stayed at a Days Inn, this was an old Days Inn, okay, where the rooms are still outdoors, right? Um, days Inn is not a five-star hotel, okay? So if you've ever been like at a Hyatt Regency, that's not Days Inn, okay? I get there um, knowing that, of course, all the other hotels I've been to are, are, are not... There was a couple that was coming in usually when there's a couple coming in, I hold the door for them. Not that night, right? i mean, I jumped in front of them. I didn't care. I cut them off, got in there, got to the counter. I was like, sir, is there any room? I just, I need a room, you know, really tired. And the guy said, we've got one room left. I was like, yes. So what, you know, what, what, what's uh, that? We'll take it. He's like, okay, it's two ninety nine a night. $2.99 a night. Days in is usually like $69.99 a night. But I was so desperate. I said, I'll take it. The poor couple that I beat to the door, they were like, do you have another room? I'm like, no. You're going to have to keep going down the road. They had to live. I wasn't giving them my room. I can tell you that right now. We got into our room. But being in a helpless state like that, man, it was great to find a place to stay. I can imagine Mary and Joseph, they're going... This this is their Christmas experience. Going to hotel in after in looking any room? No. Any room? No. Any room. Until one owner, one has a heart and says, Listen, we're booked over here. But I got a stable. Can you stay in a stable? $2.99 a night. Yes, I'm there. There they go. They they get there. The stable, it's probably like a little cave. Normally, that's what it is. If you go and visit the Holy Lands, they'll show there's like a little cave that's there in in Bethlehem where they think that Jesus was born. Animals are tied up there. And now, they found a place to stay, not the nicest. But now they have no place to lay the baby. That night, Jesus is going to be born. Mary's going now through the birthing process and, and here comes baby Jesus and there's nowhere to lay him. I'm sure Joseph was looking frantically what, what was there, but there was no crib. There's no changing tables. We just had a baby. That's usually what you do, right? You go. got to buy the car seats. You got to buy the drawers. You got to buy the clothes. Nothing there for Jesus. They just clear out the, the manger, the trough there that's there and put some hay and that's where they lay them. The Christmas experience in Mary's day. But through all of that, she did find help. She did find some swaddling clothes there that they wrapped them in. And by the way, there in Bethlehem, if you don't know this, that the lambs that were used in the temple, that were used to be sacrificed when they were born, because they had to be spotless. The Old Testament said they couldn't have anything broken. They couldn't have anything wrong with them, their ears or anything. They couldn't have any spots on them. They had to be perfectly white. They had to be the perfect lamb. What they would do to ensure that is that when the lambs were born, they would wrap them in these things called swaddling clothes. So you can just see Joseph in that cave going, okay, baby's coming. Okay, what do I do? What do I do? This is our firstborn. Ah, and he's going to wherever he can look in and, Somebody gave him swaddling clothes and he goes back and he wraps the babe in swaddling clothes. Lies there in the manger. They have accommodations and they have a place to stay. Not the best, but it's theirs provided. They found help in a helpless world. A world that nobody was going to do anything for them. Yet God did. God provided a place. God knew where His son was going to be born. God knew what he was going to be wrapped in. He found and gave them help in a helpless time of their life. (laughs) You know, one thing I find amazing about all this is that though the accommodations were not the best, they were enough to meet the need there. You see, help was given in a time of need. Mary found that God didn't leave her helpless. God didn't leave them alone and abandoned, no. They found help there. Experiencing Christmas is experiencing the help of God in a world that's helpless. In a world that has nothing to offer us or give us. All the money in the world can't give you the joy that God can give. All the money in the world can't give you the salvation that only Jesus can give. All the the possessions in the world can't give you the joy that being a child of God gives you. We live in a world that's helpless. But part of the Christmas experience is finding that help. It's finding the hope for a better future in Jesus. It's finding the help for time in need here in this helpless world. Mary, I'm sure, shared that story many times, many times saying, I remember. Look at Jesus, he's five years old now, but I remember five years ago, man, we were traveling, coming from Galilee, coming up, rough, was pregnant with him, nobody wanted to help us, everything was booked, and then they gave us a little stable. God provided at least a little shelter. God provided some clothing for him to be wrapped in, that same clothing that the sacrificial lambs of the temple were going to be using, that was provided for our firstborn. We found in him help when we needed help most. It's part of the Christmas experience. It's part of what God wants you to experience in this month. Among all the other things and all the other trimmings of Christmas, listen, if you miss out on God's help, you've missed out on Christmas. We find that Mary, in sharing her, experienced that first Christmas. She experienced hope. She experienced help. But Then I want you to notice, lastly, you can experience having a heart and a heartless world. And this last truth is perhaps the greatest of the three. I believe it's the greatest because all that Mary had experienced, this one, this one meant the most. You see, if you jump to Luke chapter 2 and verse 18 and 19, I want you to see something. I believe that I put it there in your notes. Luke two eighteen and 19. It says this, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So angels will appear to the shepherds. You know the story. And the shepherds go and find Jesus in that stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes, just like the angels said. And there they are worshiping him they they're seeing him, and then those shepherds leave, and they start telling everybody and it says, and everybody that heard wondered at those things now the word wondered there the the Greek is the Greek word thezo and and it means kind of like ah, i'm trying to figure it out since it was kind of this miracle thing okay he's okay that's that's his mom, but that's not his dad and he was birthed by the Holy Spirit, and he's the hope of Israel, and he's the next king. And, and people are calling like, okay, that's, that's an interesting story. Wow. And they're wondering at this thing. How does this fit together? How does this come together? But notice in verse number 19, it says this, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, the Greek word there means to Understand. When she's pondering them, it's the, the Greek word symbolo. And that, that word means to, to have a true understanding of what's going on. Of what this means. So while everybody else in their experience are going, okay, wow, okay, that's an interesting story. The shepherds are, wow, okay, wow. And these angels appeared and they're, li- they're listening with wonder. There's Mary in her experience. And she's saying that's because he's the king. That's because those are her angels. He's wrapped in swollen clothes because he's going to give his life as a sacrifice for our sin. He's the hope of the world. He's the one to help me in the time of need. She's pondering. she's, She's putting these. She's understanding. She's understanding what's happening. Part of the Christmas experience is understanding just exactly what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating more than gifts. We're celebrating more than just it's a wonderful time of year or happiest time of year or whatever the song says. It's more than carols. It's more than that. It's More than family get-togethers. It's the birth of the hope of this world, and the help of this world. It's having a heart to understand just how much God loves you and me. That he didn't send an angel when he easily could have. He didn't send someone else to do this work. He gave himself. Bible says in First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, but great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. In other words, he took upon himself flesh. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. So that Jesus humbled himself even unto death and the death of the cross. Just simply saying that we ought to pause in this Christmas celebration that we do every year. Pause and stop and say, what is really the true meaning of all of this? What is the heart that God has towards us in sending us his son? Because you see, you live in a heartless world. A world that doesn't understand in and of itself and on its own. I thank God that God sent some angels to some shepherds in a field and says, Hey, listen, my son has been born. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. There's some good news for you. Thank God that he sent an angel to Gabriel, an angel Gabriel to, to Zacharias and to Mary and said, Listen, this is what God is doing. After 400 years of nothing, and it seems like you're alone and abandoned, you're not. For when the fullness of time was come, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Jesus didn't leave us without hope or without help. And you want to give you and me a new heart. That's what Christmas is all about. And if you only experience the toys, and if you only experience and the get-togethers and the food, then you've missed the experience of Christmas. Because it's more than that. It's the salvation of our soul. We find that having a heart in this heartless world, Mary understood the true sense and she believed it by faith. You know, in Ezekiel, about four hundred actually more than that, about 600 years before Christ was even born, Ezekiel the prophet had said, hey, he's going to create in us a new heart and give you, Israel, those that believe, a new heart for those that believe. Christmas is all about believing by faith and receiving a new heart. It's part of the Christmas experience, having real love for others, Understanding what this is all about. It's part of the Christmas experience. This morning, I, I know that it's no different for us. This is the experience that Mary had. of That hope and that help. And pondering these things in her heart. But listen, it's an experience that you and I can have over and over and over again. It's one that we can have this month today. You can have that new heart if you believe by faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Oh, but by faith, read all of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses was able to say no to the pleasures, the temporary pleasures of Egypt and lead God's people out, part the Red Sea. By faith, Moses left the land where he was dwelling to look for a A land and a city that made by hands, but made by God, whose foundation and creator was God. By faith, Joshua brought down Jericho. By faith, Rahab believed and was forgiven. By faith, Sarah believed and Isaac was born to her. You can read more and more and more what was done by faith, because that's what Christmas is all about. That's the Christmas experience. This morning, I just, I want to just remind you of that. I want to remind you that this month is all about receiving hope and giving hope. This month is all about receiving help from others. But listen, don't miss out. Be a help to others. This month is all about examining our hearts and saying, God, give me a, a new heart, but also sharing with others how they can have a new heart in Christ. That's a Christmas experience. So if there's something I can share and say, is that this week, listen, let's have a Christmas experience that's awesome, that we don't forget. Just like we do when we come back from Disneyland or from vacation and say, man, it was so awesome. This is what we did. Listen. Let's take time this Christmas season to let others know, man, this is what's awesome about this time of year, is that this time of year, we're celebrating hope. This time of year, listen, you might be going through a tough time, but there's hope for you. God's not left you abandoned. God can give you a heart that you never had before. That's what Christmas is all about. I want to challenge us. Let's experience Christmas this year. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the Christmas experience. Because Father, I I can't think of where we would be without it. We'd probably just be living in a world with no hope. Just hopeless. We'd probably have to be facing the challenges of life With no help, we'd be helpless. Father, we would have no bright future. Nor a joyful present. Because we need our new heart. And so, Father, as we think about what we celebrate in this Christmas season, I pray that we would always remember the hope we have, and the hope we've been given pray that we could look back at a year like 2021 and say, wow, God helped me through this and that. And so many things, you were always there. We can say, Father, we need a heart. A heart that beats after you, a heart that loves you and follows you. That's what we need. Help us to truly remember what Christmas is all about. as the piano plays and we just kind of ponder what that experience was like for Mary I just want to challenge you one more time make this Christmas one that you experience an experience that's worth sharing with others let's not keep this experience as something that is just for ourselves but it's one to tell others about Trust and pray that you'll live out the truths of this kind of Christmas. Father, we need you today. We need your Holy Spirit to fill us, to control our lives, and give us opportunities throughout this week and throughout this month to truly experience it all. Yes, Father, we're going to be with family. Yes, we're going to have gifts, and we're going to do all that Christmas entails but help us to truly experience it in a way that has meaning and in a way that matters. Help us to do that this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.